0: Hey, what's up, everyone? It's Ron from the Boxing One Podcast. Thanks for joining us for another episode. Today, we're joined by Blue Jays writer Andrew Stoughton to talk all things Blue Jays. Hope you enjoyed this one. And as always, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Boxing One Pod and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Let's get into it.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Box and One. I'm Azam Faruqi with my co-host, Ron Salgado, Pramit Bose. Hey, guys. Hey. So we have a very special guest here today with us, Andrew Stoughton. Um, For those of you who follow the Blue Jays, uh, would know him very well. Um, A writer Uh, right now. He is on Substack. Uh, Subscribe. Uh, Some really interesting stuff. I saw... The one you wrote today was pretty interesting about Picotta projections and the lineup. Um, so, thank you for uh, coming on, Andrew.
2: Oh, anytime. Thanks for having me,
1: guys. So, l- let's start off with the big one, right? George Springer, uh, Blue Jays signing him for six years, one hundred fifty million. How big of a free agent signing is this? Um, if we look at all the historical off seasons, like the only one I it come like to me comes to mind is maybe Roger Clemens, but is this the biggest free agent signing?
2: I I think so. I mean, people would probably point rightly point to uh, Russell Martin, which obviously that's a Canadian guy. And they, they really leaned on that. I think, uh, what I think is really encouraging and exciting about the George Springer signing is the fact that, uh, you know, obviously a lot of teams are sort of pulling in, uh, financially this year. Uh, the Yankees weren't out there. The Red Sox weren't out there. The Cubs weren't out there. Uh, spending big on players Uh, uh, and the Jays could have. And I think in other eras of Rogers ownership would have probably followed a similar pattern. Uh, And the fact that they took the opportunity to really uh, to see that the market was to their advantage, that they weren't, you know, in that situation. I think that is such a huge statement beyond just like the money that they paid Springer. I think it's really encouraging if you're a Blue Jays fan to see them do that, Uh, even though, you know, in other you know, had in other circumstances, they probably wouldn't have been able to get him because there probably would have been a better market for him. And the Blue Jays still clearly aren't the team that you know, uh, free agents, big free agents, elite free agents are going to gravitate towards. But part of what makes the uh, you know what makes any team a team that free agents will gravitate towards is. Just being good, right? I mean, that's what the Blue Jays were like in the early '90s. You know, they they signed Ricky Henderson, they signed Jack Morris, they signed Dave Stewart as free agents. Uh, it's not like it's not like they're incapable of it. It's not like there's something essential about the Toronto market that makes them, uh, you know, it a turnoff for people. Even though there's, you know, there's a laundry list of things that every Canadian <laughs> Blue Jays fan, is, you know, is aware of that that you know it's supposed to be why they can't tra- attract free agents, but but. You know, what it comes down to it, it's all about money. And when the Blue Jays are acting like the big market team that they should be, uh, it's a really great thing. So yeah, I I think uh Clemens, um AJ Burnett is the other big one, probably as well.
3: Yes, there yes, uh, they're the BJ Ryan AJ Burnett yeah. offseason. <laughs> They've made a lot of splashes in the past decade trade-wise, you know, like the Marlins deal, Josh Donaldson, R. A. Dickey. Um, they obviously had extended like some of their like you know the Bautista extension from 2010, the Vernon Wells extension. But yeah, this is this could other than Clemens, this is yeah, this is probably I would argue the second biggest just in terms of what he's already accomplished and what's what he's expected to bring. Like Russell Martin was a great signing. But I don't think anybody expected this guy, Russell Martin, to be like an MVP candidate, like
1: mm-hmm.
3: like a top five, ten player in the in the AL. Well, by
2: the by the time the twenty fifteen playoffs, he
1: probably wasn't a top five player on that team. Right? So, <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I mean, if if you look at all the free agents that they signed, uh, you know, late eighties, early nineties during those runs, a lot of Hall of Fame players, but most of them were probably Towards the end of the career, like, this is the guy we're talking about. Is thirty one years old, right? So, in terms of what you can get for the next three, four years, at least, hopefully, uh, could be something pretty significant.
2: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's uh, there. There's no way to make it not exciting. I think if you're a Blue Jays fan, and also back then, you know, just free agency worked differently. Guys were getting to free agency later. It wasn't. It wasn't necessarily the same uh, so, thing. What,
0: what does this actually mean in in the grand scheme of things? I, I guess just looking at it from a, I mean, Azam and Premet are more more hardcore guys, but me, I'm I'm a little bit more of a casual baseball fan. Um, been following since I was a kid. But no, you no. just like the Marlins.
3: Just admit it, you're a Marlins fan. Yeah,
0: I, I, I am a Marlins fan. So yeah, that full disclosure there. But I, I mean, just from a, you know, I, I still have my team in the AL. I'm I'm in Toronto, so I I I do love the Jays. But uh, from a casual perspective, like, is, is this a team that we really should be getting excited about?
2: Oh, I think absolutely, yeah. I, I I mean, I don't. It's weird, right? Because I'm just, I'm so in the baseball hive that it's like I, I. But I also, I like George Springer is not a name that is a household name to, to. But a lot of there's not a lot of baseball players since Derek Jeter retired that are household names, right? So, uh, and that's just sort of the nature of the sport. It's not the NBA when there's five guys on the court at the time. It's you know, there's there's just a wealth of players uh, who are all talented and you know quantified to various levels i guess uh but yeah no i think it's absolutely an exciting time to be a blue jays fan you're maybe a little early maybe a year early but i think it's time to really get on that bandwagon well, it looks like they're gonna be good to add more excitement fan has released
3: their projected records for the season and they have the jays in a 162 game season winning 89 games that's pretty that's good
1: better than Picardo, actually Quite a bit, I think. Eighty-six yeah. games, right? Yeah,
3: yeah, the only teams ahead of them are the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Padres, the Mets, the Bra and the Braves.
1: So, when did the eighty-six pace around last year? I mean, it's a s- small sample size, so you really don't know what to make of it. But yeah, you find it three, pace, right?
3: yeah, it would have been about there. I, I I don't know if last year's team would have held up. Uh, at that sure. high, like I, I think that's the way that they got in, which is fine. Like they managed to the situation there, and you know, like really going bullpen heavy, uh, pulling starters early and earlier in games, having these four inning start starts, and you can get away with that in a short season because it's really you're in the playoff race from opening day. That's obviously over a hundred and sixty two game season doesn't translate well. They just did not have the rotation, and that's still a. Question mark If he had to pick one coming into this year.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So, I mean, going into last year, I had them high 70s in the wins column. That's
2: I, which I, I think I, I was writing about today. I think that the, the Vegas had them at like 75 and a half last mm-hmm. year, which you know, mm-hmm. which made total sense. And I think you're right. You know, last year they had like two or three weeks where they were amazing, and it was like, whoa, this team's actually really good. And then the Yankees stomped them, and it kind of got iffy. For them making the playoffs for a bit, and it's like right, that stuff gets evened out a lot in 162 games, whereas in the 60 game season, it it, it just uh, it it looks different. Uh, and yeah, it was, and also the playoffs were expanded, like they wouldn't have made the playoffs under the current format last year. Uh, but there's still, you know, there's a lot of talent there, and it's, uh, you know, the the Rays took a step back. They got rid of Blake Snell. They lost Charlie Morton, which I think is huge for the Blue Jays. Um, okay. Yeah, it should, it'll be a really, really interesting season. It's certainly not, you know, for all the optimism, it's certainly not like, oh, they're just going to waltz their way into the playoffs. But uh, but, but, there's a lot of reasons to ro- to watch, and this is the first time in uh, quite a lot of years, I think, you know, three or four years uh, when that's been the case, right? Yeah.
3: Yeah, and I think just to add is, I mean, exciting. It's great. Obviously, you're still depending on a lot of the, the young core taking a step forward. Like, I mean, Bo, Biggio, I mean, Vlad, especially like these guys, a lot of what it's not like the, these guys of uh, the core of their team still hasn't reached their ceiling yet. And there's always a little bit of that uncertainty when you have a really, really young core. Will everybody um, hit their, like hit their ceiling? Like remember 10 years ago, J.P. Aaron Sebia, <laughs> Brett Laurie, Colby Rasmus
1: and Brett Wallace was in the minors. Who was Brett Wallace? Oh yeah, those big hips. Yeah, how many? Of <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: Brett Laurie was a top ten prospect. Yeah, Baseball America top ten
2: guy. And Keith Law had him sixth or seventh. Oh, oh it, like that the, the year that he came up, I think twenty eleven. Like the cameo that he it was it was crazy. Yeah. I remember going, I remember flying to New York, like after that, in that that fall, and wearing a Blue Jays hat, and, like, the guy at customs being, like, you know, being kind of like a scumbag going through customs, like, oh, shit, I, you know, you never know what's going on, and he's, and guy's just like, I got that Brett Lowry kid, like, looking at my hat, and just starts chatting me up about Brett Low-. I'm like, yeah. oh, well, this is going great, this is amazing, but, like, he was, like, terrified of what Brett Lowry was going to be for the Blue Jays, and uh, it did not, it did not, as I recall, go that well uh, from there, But uh, but, yeah, there was a time when that was but I think this is a different level of, of prospect, really. Yeah, I think, I think you know Brett Lurie wasn't getting like eighty hit tool, eighty power kind of grades from like serious scouting people who, you know, that's their job, and they they'll be embarrassed if you know Vlad doesn't come close to that. And and it's one of those things where like yeah, there's there's risk about all those guys, but it's also like man, if Vlad puts together a year that looks like what we thought he was going to be, mm-hmm. then. Oh my goodness! Like the the Blue Jays are going to be that much better this year, yeah. If this is, if that that gets unlocked, and
3: and this is a player development org, uh, that's what Shapiro and Atkins do best, are known for from their Cleveland days, right? So it's set up; they're well set up to reach their potential, uh, I would say, and um, very intriguing, uh, and very encouraging rather to see Vlad on Instagram.
2: <laughs> yeah,
3: and workouts on the weight loss. It's, uh, yeah, the most recent one I sent it to Ron and uh, Azam on our WhatsApp chat. I like, "Oh my god, look, he actually like this is legit. This ain't like yeah." When I legitimate. first saw
1: that, like almost a month after the playoffs, I'm like, "Yeah, losing all this thirty forty pounds in a month is very sustainable, right?" But then you see him keep working at it. So i like, "Okay, maybe there's something, right?" Mm-hmm. And, I wasn't he, buying it. He wants to be a third baseman, so.
0: I wasn't buying that weight loss. Like I I think I even said it that quickly in a month. I'm like, there's no way this guy's doing that. It, it must have been a camera trick, but no, I, I don't I don't think it
3: was. The most recent one, yeah, that like he had like that really, really giant ass. It's like, <laughs> it's, gone, <laughs> <the weight laughs> guy, like it's gone down. Like.
1: So how do you see the offense shaping up? Um, so one of the issues you see is that there's a glut of outfielders, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you still probably have one man short in the infield. Yeah. <laughs> Do you still see Vigio being a long-term third baseman or a utility option, or is that something that the Jays have recognized that he may have more value as a tr- part of a trade package or something? Uh, it, Vigio, you said? Yes. Uh, you
2: know, it's it's. I mean, I think fans have definitely recognized or a lot of people have recognized, like, you know, there, there for one there's like the Keith Law who was still kind of dismissive of him i don't think he's maybe at the at the place where he was before where like oh he doesn't deserve a roster spot cuz he's had about a years worth of plate appearances mm-hmm. like six, <laughs> seven, 700 and he's been really good uh like I, I think you know he obviously deserves to get a whole lot of reps and to keep you know see let's see if he can keep doing what he's doing I, i'm not sure that the uh, the deadened ball that they're going to try to use this year is, is going to be his friend, but uh, but yeah, I, I, like there's a lot of that chatter among fans. My I, my sense is that the Blue Jays really like him and they really obviously value like the leadership stuff and the intangible stuff, and I think that that maybe will help allow him to keep his spot maybe a bit longer than than fans you know would 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 like or would you know if if he hits a slide and he has before right i mean the, he uh, he had a hot start when he first came up in 2019 and then was really bad until september and then pulled his season out and then he's he's had some ups and downs and that's maybe what happens when you're a guy who just like walks 20% of the time and then hmm. the rest of it is is you know you hope a few fly balls go over the wall and that's that's going to make the difference between whether you're you're having a great season or where, whether it looks like mm-hmm. you're not he did, I,
3: I, so he balances out their other outfielders besides Springer.
2: Yeah, and he absolutely, and he, and he, I, 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 the, I, I think that the Jays are going to give him a real chance, and more of a chance than sort of the chatter that among fans suggests. Right? Like, I don't think they're ready to write him off or anything. But I think that obviously the utility role, the the Zobrist kind of role, is what most people see as his sort of future, and ideally. You know, they'll eventually at the end of the year, middle of next year, you'll start seeing Austin Martin. You'll start seeing Jordan sort of start to force the issue, uh, and then that maybe just sort of naturally bumps him out of the way a bit. Uh, but that means those guys have to have to get it done as well, and and that's not easy as we've seen. Like, you know, Vlad was supposed to just hit the ground running, and then, well, it, it was not like that. And, and so you can't take I think for granted what Brizio has done. Uh, and he's just you know he just looked competent compared to the Jonathan VRs and some of the guys we saw last year, right? Like he just like, he's, he's out there playing smart baseball and, and, you know, not, he had his mistakes too, but just not, not making some of the, like, Oh my God, head and hands kind of kind of plays that we saw a bit too often in the middle of last season.
3: Mm-hmm. I think it's, uh, his upbringing has a lot to do with that. I mean, his father was really high IQ high guy. That's for sure.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, and all that all that helps too, right? I mean, yeah, he got access to a lot of real good training at some
1: point, and, and
3: <laughs> Hall of Fame father so Fame.
1: makes sense. Can't hurt. So, so the holes we're looking at this team is third base, starting pitching. How do you see them going address this going forward?
2: Yeah, I don't – you know, uh, third base, I'm not sure. I think it's possible that they're done there. I really hope they're not done on the starting pitching front. I mean, I think that there are guys out there that make sense and that other teams are clearly not going to pay – that the Blue Jays are can can kind of just sit around and wait, and somebody's going to fall in their lap for a price that they like. You know, the Odor Reese's, the, pa- the James Paxtons, the Taiwan Walkers. I, from what I understand, Walker really liked it here. I know he said that publicly. I've had somebody who, you know, who who knows him, who's DM'd to me on Twitter, and is like, no, but he really does really like it here, and really wants to come back. And and I don't know, you get that sense, and hopefully that's something that can happen. I mean, there I wrote about this last week or over the weekend. Like that, there's risks with all of these guys. Uh, but there's sort risks of, with every pitcher, like that's just sort of the nature of it. And I think that that's sort of where the Blue Jays are at too. Like they're, you know, if you can get a guy in on a one year deal who has some upside, you know, the red flags don't seem so bad when you're not having to sign them for three four years. So I think that that's sort of where they seem to be. Like they're, you know, the the, the talk of Odorisi might want multi a multi year deal and might have some teams that are willing to give it to him. So maybe that's not a guy they look at because they're also looking at next season's free agency, which is going to be a huge bonanza i think. Uh so yeah i think that they have to they have to do something there. I I mean i think the rotation as it stands is not good enough. Uh it could be okay but you know just one more
1: legit starter would make such it, a huge difference. It's tough. Yeah, cause, cause, go
3: ahead
2: Alan. go
1: ahead. Right now they have Hunjin and Ryu and then you have Pearson you still don't know he's still young, yeah. right? yeah and he may not be able to pitch two hundred innings, but then you have a bunch sure of guys not, who look yeah. like ones and twos but probably pitch like four and fives yes <laughs> right? exactly yeah, like your Robbie Rays like if he strikes out a side he looks pretty spectacular doing it. It's just like seven walks around that right that oh he's not a fun guy to watch unfortunately. No, like- I had Norris terror Rourke and
2: i'm I'm not real confident about Stephen Matz either like it would be nice to have a real. Guy there and Pearson, like you say, like he's young, he's got all the tools, but who knows what's gonna happen there. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully it's gonna work out well. But
3: the narrative but, is yeah. always Pete Walker. Uh, oh, Pete Walker can get them right. Like, well, poor Pete Walker, like he's the <laughs> so have to him. Like Jesus,
2: <laughs> leave the guy alone. He you know, it's I it's true, and I, I don't think it's just you know, Matt Bushman is is a big part of that too, and they're very into uh you know the technology the pitch design they're they're you know they're trying to be their own driveline kind of a, a situation there and 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 you know more power to them for trying to do that but yeah it's i don't think it's that it's it's ever going to be a quick fix where it's like oh take your broken guy and give him the blue jays I don't, everybody seems to really like pete walker and i you know i've been on zoom calls with him i don't know him but he seems like a really you know cool guy affable guy uh you know, easy to understand what he's talking about. Like, I can see why people like him, but I, I don't know if the track record is there of him like turning garbage into gold, right? Like, I don't know. I, I don't know that the reputation is, is is necessarily all that warranted, though. I like I not mean, to disparage him, but it's just like, yeah. I, 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 uh, and they're so they're right. I think that they're relying a bit on you know, he. Oh, Pete Walker's going to make Robbie Ray great. Pete Walker's going to figure out how to make Stephen Matz better. Uh, didn't really work for Tanner Rourke or Chase Anderson last year, but I guess we're not yeah. talking about that.
3: I uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> good point. I mean, what I, I always find it intriguing, like when Gibbons was let go and they bring in a new coaching staff, when somebody from the previous staff survives the turnover, it's okay. Then it's okay. The front office sees something in that individual, like, obviously from afar. I think the best job Walker did was the 2016 team, which where mm-hmm. they had the best rotation and one of the best pens in the league, and it, they were good. I don't think anybody expected them to be as good as they were, uh, but they were good. At, so it could just be give Walker a bunch of guys that will stay healthy, and uh, that's all you need, and he can get the most out of them.
2: Uh, that that might yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I don't know if these guys are going to stay healthy. He uh, also, I think he was. I think he was on Farrell's staff too. Like I think it's like three coaching staffs he has survived. Yeah, he was on the. I the bullpen coach in one of he those the. He, yes, he was the that's bullpen coach. Yes, he was. That's
0: that's got to be unheard of. Where somebody survives that many, uh that much turnover, isn't it? It's
2: pretty. It's rare. It's not uh, unheard of. Is maybe too too much, but <laughs> but it is. It, it's really rare. Yeah, and I think that speaks to you know just how. Valued he is, and how much you know people really like. Uh, he's you know, and it's it's changed. I mean, Farrell was what 2010 or like it, 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 so much has changed the the way that they use the rap sotos and work in the spin, the spin mm-hmm. rate stuff. And yeah. and it's it, the, the whole nature of the job has changed, and he's adapted along with it. And I think he's the is, new Don Ferrell was
1: right. 11 and 12, right?
2: Yeah, you might, I think you're right. Yeah, I think
3: you're you right. might have been in the minors for a while, before, uh, like coaching in their system for a while as well, right?
2: He you know, I don't know. I mean, I remember him as a he was a a reliever for the Jays in the mid 2000s and yeah. I don't know if he went to Japan for a bit after that. He bounced around a bit, but then yeah, I think he was in the system for a little bit and before sort yeah. of working his way up the chain, yeah.
3: Yeah, I just said he's the new Don Cooper. White 18 yeah. <laughs> years. Like, turned, survived like four managers, maybe five.
2: That's, you know, I don't know. Why get rid of him at this point? I mean, <laughs> so
1: a lot of pitchers have already been traded. We've seen a, like Darvish getting traded, a whole bunch of others. Mm-hmm. The one thing I'm really thankful of is that I did not sign Trevor Bauer. I did not <laughs> in a position where I would don't want to support this team once every fifth day. Mm. So, <laughs> no, what, what happened? I'm glad that didn't go through. But I, I haven't really heard a lot about this. But you keep writing. You've write, written about and tweeted about this quite a bit, David Price.
2: <laughs> right or is do you see that there's a possibility? And that's just me trying to will it into existence. Really. <laughs> like, I don't think there's I don't think there's anything to that. Okay. Just that it's it just it's a guy the Dodgers don't need who's making money they probably would rather save and please please let us let us take him off your hands and save you a problem. It was just I mean it, he's just such a uh a guy the Blue Jays fans in particular love to cheer for and and we even if it worked out poorly, which it almost certainly would. I would love to see him back, right? But yeah, no, I, I, I don't think there's been any sort of rumblings about about that other than not just me, but but Blue Jays fans in general being like, hey, look at that. That's a great idea. That was rumored last year as well, right? I think there was a little bit of talk about that as well. It's hard to separate, again, the same thing, like whether, what's wish what's whisk casting and what's like have where their series talks about it. I don't know when John Morosi reports it, then I'll know. <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, please, you know, I, the Darvish one hurt. Let you, know, you, you bring that up? That you know, because that was a guy that was, and that was a weird moment in the off season, right? Where it was like the Padres are having the off season I wanted the Blue Jays to have, uh, and it seems to have worked out well. But yeah, I mean, Darvish, the, that Darvish was available. Uh, still bugs me that they didn't. They didn't find a way to go out and get him.
1: Yeah, and what I found interesting about that trade was, and I don't remember the names now, but it seemed like the cost of acquisition was wasn't as high as you would have expected. Like, I yeah. don't think they gave up any of their top ten prospects.
2: No, I mean that's a really good system. So their top, you know, their you know well, fifteen true. to twenty is maybe somebody else's five to ten. But yeah, like I, I don't know. I I I, I just I'd like Darvish so much that it. it it wouldn't have bothered me if we're they not allowed a lot to get me. you Darvish in Toronto. That's a rule. apparently. Yeah. I it can't that. happen. <laughs> oh God. Uh, so,
0: so, <laughs> since we also mentioned the the third base situation. Uh, I know you mentioned this in one of your articles, but do you think that uh, the Vlade is going to get a, a legitimate chance to win that spot? Or do you think he I ends up at first or DH?
2: I can't see him winning it, but I think they have to, like we're talking about the, the, you know, the job that he's done to get himself into shape. Like they, they can't not let him try. Like it, that was kind of like the carrot that they dangled in front of him, right? Like, oh, you know, get it and then get in shape. You'll you can you could be in the third base mix. Like, I don't think they will give him uh, every day at bats there, unless unless he proves that he can like do it. But color me skeptical, I guess, on that. Yeah, they, but like, yeah, but like I, I think guys, they <laughs> love their multi-position players. Do they do? Too. They do. I mean, I prefer it when they can play at least one of the multiple positions they're (laughs) asking to, but like, but yeah, I I think, I mean, I think that he's, he deserves to be in that mix. I think I wrote the other day, like, you know, spring training, just run him out there, run him out there and like, let him play his way out of it. Like I think, and, and if he does, then that's what you tell him. Like, I think that's, that's how you have to handle it. Like it's, you know, don't, 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 don't kid him, but if he doesn't get the job, who do you put there? Gavin Biggio, I guess. I'd like I mean Semyon would be a great fit at third too, but then you have to have Biggio at second. Uh, and Biggio I-
3: probably- ideally they
2: have somebody else come in, right?
3: Yeah, I mean Semyon, I would prefer that uh this is something Oslim and I have talked about at length. Uh, I mean for me it's why bring in a like if you you kinda of got to a one year deal, like Put your best defender at the position he's best at. I understand the whole biggio develop, developing biggio. You want to see if he can Bichette. handle it long term. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, Bichette. Bichette. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Yeah. But I mean, especially when your pitching staff or rotation is just a little not settled, like not settled yet. I think putting the best defensive team behind those starters who can get those extra just sometimes they're just you need those extra couple of outs a night just to get your guys deep enough where you're not going to tax your pen
2: No I think that's absolutely true. Uh I mean what I would say is they haven't you know they haven't made you know they've said that they're going to have Bidge or sorry or Beshatt play short, shortstop all year. Uh they haven't done it yet. You know there could mm-hmm. be a point where it's like oh if you're if his defense is hurting them Semyon's right there. He's been an elite defender at shortstop before. Uh, I do understand, though, them wanting to uh, to say to Bichette, like, this is, you know, you're our guy. This is your position. Like, it would be weird to. I understood with Lindor, you know, as a possibility for earlier in the offseason, like, that's an elite, elite defender. I know Semyon has been really good. I don't think he's quite in that category. The, the numbers have kind of fluctuated a bit more on him. Uh, but he, you know, I, I don't. I wouldn't rule it. I wouldn't. I would not think that like in August, if Bichette's had a bad year at shortstop, that he would still be playing there every day. Like I think, as much as they'll say right now that that's his spot, uh, you know, all bets are off when the playoffs.
3: It on. could be like when they flipped uh, Russ Adams and Aaron Hill.
2: <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly like that. <laughs>
1: But, but but I think that's what makes Simeon signing so crucial that you have insurance, right? So, you know, you're not going to have a full terrible year at short, like one way or the other, you will be fine. Because if Simeon stays at second, that means Bo has been fine at short. And if not, then, you know, you have alternatives. Whereas if you had gone with someone like more offensive player, like, you know, DJ LeMay, who, who seems like Bichette was really rooting for, for a lot of reasons, you can see why, but... Um, you you may not have had that kind of insurance.
2: Yeah, or even just last year, like how many games did Joe Panic or Jonathan VR or Santiago Espinall play it short when Bichette was hurt? Mm-hmm. And it's like you, you, you can't
1: have that. No, 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 it was painful to watch some of those games. Yeah. yeah. So so if he, if they were to prioritize okay, they go with pitching. Who who else might be available in the trade market right now?
2: it feels like everything's getting down to the point where you know stuff's not going to happen too much i mean sunny gray maybe uh i was looking through teams rosters and just looking for b- bad contracts the jays could pick off just the, the other day you know so there's sunny gray there's kyle Hendricks, uh you know the the marquez or or castillo are guys who like they would just take the prospect cost. I think is maybe too much at this point. Like I think that the the Blue Jays are definitely like Shapiro said. Like they're they're cognizant of next year's free agent market. I don't think they want to take on too much excess money for next season. So like that's why I think they're looking at one year deals with the Paxtons and the Walkers. Over that, those are the ones that just make real sense to me. Paxton or Walker, uh, I see if he would take a one year deal too. Uh, but yeah, the trade market is is is. I don't know. I, I haven't gone through with a fine-tooth comb. I don't know what every single team wants to do and where they're at, but uh, it feels like that there's not a ton left there because it's kind of in mind. So the, uh, the free agent market is really where it is, and it's sort of a situation where the Blue Jays have played this well, and you know the, the music's going to stop, and everyone's going to have to grab a chair, and there's going to be somebody who doesn't have a job that the Jays can just be like, well, we'll take you for this price, and I assume that's what's what's going to happen. I think it would be disappointing if it didn't. Mm-hmm.
1: And of the remaining free agents, I mean, if I were to look at like my preference, I, I kind of like Walker more than Paxton, and for the fact that you might see him stay on the field a little bit more. Paxton is tantalizing because he can be much much better, but provided he stays on the field for twenty odd starts at least, uh, what are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. It's, I mean. I like David Price, but I don't (laughs) think that's really like a thing. Like I said, but yeah, I I, like Walker is Walker was so good. We got such a good slice of him, especially results wise. Like if you look at his FIP, if you look, you know, if you look at some of the underlying numbers of what he did last year with the Blue Jays, it was not they were not as good as his like one thirty ERA or whatever whatever figure it was that he put up. Mm -hmm. Uh, Paxton though, like he scares me, and especially. Uh, and I wrote about this a bit this week. Like, you know, Scott Boris was talking about, oh, he's in the, the low to mid nineties like he was last year. And it's like, well, that's not really or where he was in nineteen. And that's that's not where he was. Like Paxton was a guy that until last year was hit was was, you know, averaging ninety-five or ninety-five plus on his fastball. And then you would look at you know, you look at the game logs, you look at the pitch logs, and it's you know, he he was maxing out at 97, 98, 99. Hit, hit 100 and that does not sound like that's where he's been so far and i've saw people talk about well it's early and they're ramping up and there's still more velocity to come but to me it's like scott boris would be doing a terrible job if he wasn't like pointing that out himself and he hasn't been and i think that you know i and I would love yeah. for James Paxton to be to make to work and to, to be a guy in the J sign and it works out great, but I am a little worried about that.
3: Yeah, I like I like if Odorizzi, if like a one year deal is something that he would settle for. Like who knows what the mar- if the market doesn't want to give him a multi-year deal. I like I like him also just he's done well in the AL East. So you know, he's gone into those ballparks, he's had a reason, like I don't have the numbers in front of me as to how he performed in each of those individual ball ballparks versus the Yankees or Boston, but he's gone through. Like it's just generally a tougher uh, environment to pitch in the AL East because of like the Yankees wind tunnel and the dimensions of Fenway and even Rogers Center. If and when they come here, come back, yeah. it, it's a bit of it. It, it inflates the uh, hitter hitter hit stats, so.
2: You could definitely make the case, I think, for any of them, but maybe him easier, like, that that 2020 was, you know, there's a risk on all these guys, but his 2020, he had a blister, he had a back problem, he got hit in the chest with a ball, he was terrible, but he looked like he found something in 2019 and that he was, like, a legitimate front-line-ish starter and mm-hmm. was real good, Uh, and then it was just such a disaster, but, like, you could convince me that, to to ignore what happened in 2020 because of the injuries, uh, just maybe better than you could convince me that what happened to Paxton because of the injuries was was. I wonder if like, something if, to forget.
3: Yeah, if a guy like Oderisi would want to, like, I mean, just in terms of knock on wood, thinking that there will be more spending next offseason, just simply because they like, the COVID situation is hopefully normalizes and like, owners <laughs> yeah. are willing. Hopefully hopefully knock on wood and the owners are actually able we now have you know revenues coming in gate revenues and concession revenues and owners are willing to start spending again not that they were spending to their capabilities before COVID but it could just be a better market for a guy like him who's coming off a bad year he may want the one-year deal
2: true though hopefully there's a season after next winter right with the the CBA expiring right so that's another that's a good point too yeah 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 yeah. nobody wants to think about that just yet but
3: what do you mean the PA (sighs) and the league work really well together
1: (laughs) yeah (sighs) interesting so let's just talk a little bit about the rest of ALEs how 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 do you see Yankees and uh, Tampa like do you still feel that they're that much better than the Jays? because if I look at the Yankees, yes, they're a great team, but if you look at the starting pitching it's it's pretty iffy behind Garrett Cole.
2: it is I mean, I think they'll just they'll hit so much still uh and i real I like their pitching. I think you know there's so much you know, getting tie on was a huge coup for them. I think that that's that could work out extremely well, and I hate it. <laughs> um but, <laughs> and and you know they got Severino's going to come back in the middle of the year and uh and corey kluber if if he had signed with the Blue Jays I'd, I would certainly be like yeah he's going to be great this is you know I there's obviously there's risks there you're absolutely right that the pitching looks iffy um but yeah I think that they have I think they have enough depth enough of a enough of like a base of guys who could be really good that they'll be able to hang on all year and then when it counts they'll Probably have some guys who will be real good for them in the playoffs. It's, uh, it's well,
3: they, not,
2: not the way I would like it to be, but I think that's the way that it is.
3: Their pen is deep enough to withstand yeah. that iffy pitching staff. I think so, too. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, here's a question. Uh, sorry to change the subject again, but we didn't get to this. Tay Oscar, do you think <laughs> – <Do> you... <laughs> We've seen him go on maybe a stretch of five weeks where he's just killing it. And then everybody thinks he's, an, he's a world beater and then he starts doing dumb things in the outfield and <laughs> strikes out a ton and stops walking and just looks awful except for the odd home run. Do you think that his breakout was really just a hot stretch and a shortened season? Or do you think something changed in him that you think, okay, maybe he may not be a silver slugger level hitter, but he could be a very, very good outfielder for us.
2: Uh, he could be a very, very good DH maybe is better than an outfielder, but... We have a lot of those guys. Yeah, there's, there's a lot. Uh, you know what? I He didn't bother me that much as an outfielder uh, in right field this year, or in 2020, uh, as before. But you know what? I think it was like mid-2019, really, like if you go back... A calendar years where they're you know go back 600 plate appearances where he's been real good i think guriel is the same way uh it's not a lot of sample size to 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 really believe in believe in but man it looked good and and you're right that he was streaky and it was like sort of real hot streaks and then would fall back down to earth but it, you know i mean he it seemed like he would eventually adjust and 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 go bonkers with it with the bat again like i uh it's hard to bet on him but if it was like but if but if you told me oh they're gonna trade him for pitching i'd be like oh no like like you're going to give like if if they got rid of him i'd be certain that he's gonna break you know the breakouts real and he's gonna be great uh keeping him i'm a little less certain but but you know i and really there's nothing you can do but just see what happens this year right i mean i think Mm -hmm. I think he's earned the right to do that. And I, I got to tell you, I would, there was this guy, Jose Bautista, once who had a breakout year. And he was like a year away from uh, from free agency. And I was just real hard on the trade this guy bandwagon. Like, this, this can't possibly last. <laughs> and uh, I don't want to be burned like that again. Because uh, I still remember it, you know, however many years later, more than a decade later. Uh, it's not fun to be wrong about something like that, so I'm pro Teoscar and, and you know what? If, huh. if it doesn't work out, we'll see. But yeah, I, ideally, you know, there's just there's enough variance among all these guys. Like we like I was saying earlier, like like if Vlad is what we think Vlad can be, Teoscar doesn't have to be that guy. Or if Guriel stays healthy and hits the way that he's kept hitting, it, it, you know, there that that is the that's the beauty of having a lineup that doesn't have you know <laughs> four or five holes in it.
1: Yeah, and and realistically, there's not a whole lot – sorry, Ron. uh, There's not a lot of depth. Okay, there's a glute of outfielders, but there's not a lot of offensive depth, right? So you have Springer, you have Hernandez, and to an extent, Gurriel. So if you trade him, who are you starting? Grichik. I don't know if I'm a big fan of that. Fisher? What do you have there?
2: Yeah, there's no – I mean, Jonathan Davis – I, I like John David. I, I mean, I, I like him more for his glove than his bat. I think, yep. I think Fisher is, you know, never gonna, never gonna be a fan favorite here, to be, to put it mildly. But uh, I understand some of the reasons why they like him uh, and why they've kept him. But I also think that he is out of options and a very realistic candidate to not be on the team uh, on opening day um but yeah you're right no there isn't a ton of depth and I, I think that's what i was writing today about you know marwan gonzalez there was that rumor shy was saying they're kicking the tires there you know that's a guy who can play corner outfield spots who can play in the infield maybe that uh especially if you think the teoscar or Kevin biggio can cover for george springer in center because obviously Springer's not going to play 162 games um i don't know you can you can make things work The the, the whole gritchick situation is kind of interesting too. Uh, but there's a guy, but like, like he's, they're not. That's another bat that doesn't uh, that doesn't look like it. You, you can't rely on him, and, and you can't really rely on any of them except Springer at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, it will be interesting to see what they do, but uh, I don't know. It's been it's been good the last couple of years for Gurriel and Teoscar, and, Oscar. and uh, that's I mean that, that's that's half the battle, I think. Right? Like you just you got to give him a chance and see what goes on there.
0: How difficult is it for for teams to assess where players are at given the the small sample size from last year? Like you look at a guy uh, like Marcus Simeon where, you know, he he had a good 2019 and then started the year off really rough last year, then started to pick it up. But, you know, like I, I'm sure there were a lot of teams that were kind of a little bit shy to, to to make a deal on him, especially, I mean, given COVID as well, but like the small sample size, you don't really know where he's at.
2: Yeah, I, I think definitely. I mean, I think he was a guy who, you know, coming into 2020 after the year that he had in 2019 was looking at getting a huge multi-year deal at the end of that year. And obviously he signed a one year year deal with the Jays. It was, it's really to help rebuild value. It's really a bet on himself uh, because yeah, the, those first couple of weeks of the season, quote unquote season were, were not, were not great for him. Uh, And yeah, I I think, you know, you know, thinking back to previous years, like Mark Shapiro was talked about, uh, you know, needing sort of three, four years to really understand what a guy is as a big league hitter. Uh, and I think that was sort of partially that was just, that's, that sort of cover to 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 excuse not going harder on the team that they had when it looked like guys were starting to come into their own. Uh, but I think there's something to that. Like you really, you, you know, the, the, those variations from year to year start to smooth out and you sort of start to separate the big leaguers from the guys who are just, you know, who are the Chris Colabellos of the world, I guess. Uh, he, and so, and he had a pretty he was good run, routine man.
1: Routine mail. Was fun. <laughs> <laughs> it was, was drug-tainted, wasn't it? Yeah. He was what? The next year he was... Uh, yeah, yeah drug-tainted. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, Didn't look, he have, so like, so the third highest BABIP of all time in 2015 or something? It was
2: it was something... Abs- I remember just watching it all. It was, like, 460 for, like, half the year. It was ridiculous. Uh, but, it, hey part of the part of one of the greatest offensive teams i've ever seen so kudos to him uh but yeah i think that they that yeah it, it's i think chaparro probably right it's weird a lot of people don't like anything that that, that Shapiro reckon says ever uh though people are coming around but i think that's the, when you listen to them you learn things and i think that's uh that's probably that's probably smart to be like you know you need three years to four years before you really know what a guy's gonna be as a big league mm-hmm. that's not enough sometimes that's not even enough where guys can make adjustments but uh but yeah to ba- and that's why you know to base a year's worth you know six hundred play play appearances worth of teoscar being great or Goriel being great is a bit is a bit iffy, but you know that's that's why this is what this year is which is probably a year before their championship window really opens and you know that's even that's being hopeful
1: so I know we're coming up on time but this is a good segue I just want to talk a little bit about the Shapiro Atkins uh, front so like you said they get a lot of hate for a whole bunch of stuff right one reason being that they came in they fired Antopolis, like Shapiro but and I think it was you who wrote if I'm not mistaken but they've been pretty consistent they They've been what they always said that they were going to do, right? Like they haven't really deviated from course. They haven't gone off course, except the fact that when you listen to Ross Atkins, you always need to decipher, <laughs> go to sit with a management consultant and decipher what he's saying. But beyond that, they've been pretty consistent on messaging and they've, they've followed through all on that. I, I, think, I think
2: so, yeah. I mean, I you know I always have to be careful not to be too glowing about them because there's definitely been – Bumps in the road and problems, and and sure. know, the, the way that they were half pregnant for a couple of years, like the fact that they didn't really fully tear down after twenty sixteen, and that that hurt them so much that they I mean, like,
3: seventeen. Like a
2: yeah, I understand
3: them trying one because it's hard to sell to a fan base after going to the ALCS or right, tear down, but yeah,
2: yeah, and then and then just to the value they lost on Estrada, That's Estrada and happened like just not being who they were. Batista not being who he was, Donaldson getting hurt. You know, there was so much lost value that it's kind of remarkable that they've got back to where they are so quickly. Uh, and, but yeah, I think as a in general, yeah, they've really it, people just d- did not for a very long time. A lot of people, not everybody, but a lot of people didn't want to hear what they were saying. And I think if you had been, like, if you were listening along the whole time, they really have sort of just. Been doing what they've said the whole time. They're, the you know, they talk a lot about culture, and they're following through on what they, you know, the creating the culture that they want to create, and they're following through on on just being the the modern team that they want to be with the technology and with the the application of analytics. And they got Charlie Montoyo, who's clearly very amenable to whatever the front office is telling him about how to construct the lineup or use the pitchers. Uh, and and they've followed through on. Will act like a big, like a big spending club, like a big market club, when the time comes, and I, I think that, you know, credit to them. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to act like they're not just baseball executives or anything more than that. But yeah, I mean, I think, and I think that that was always there. That was so it was something that we complained about for years as fans, uh, more so before Anthopolis or, or at the start of that, where it was just like, you know, what if you just if you spend if you spend to contend like this is a, it was a market that was just dying for the blue Jays to sort of act like a bigger market team. And they came in and found a way to not just sort of fantasize about it, but like, okay, here's how we make the business case to the suits at Rogers. And we have guys in place who can talk the language of the boardroom and can make the business case to, to make this a bigger thing. They were kind of nudged along by the fact that the uh, MLB, uh, Eliminated them from revenue sharing, like they changed it to a market size based formula. Previously, it was based on revenues. And so, the Blue Jays, Paul Beaston, I quoted in a piece the other week. uh So, then when he got back to the team, when he'd left, they never even thought about revenue sharing. And when they got back, they were one of the biggest recipients. And then the league was like, No, it's all we're going to base it on like households in your TV market. And it's like, Oh my goodness, the Blue Jays have like 27 million. They're never going to be a a team that receives revenue sharing, so they sort of had to behave differently. Uh, But credit to them, like I say, to that that they were able to do it. They've they've got Edward Rogers on board. I think is probably a a bigger thing uh, than people realize. Sometimes I think I'm not. I don't want to like say that he's you know pulling the strings or anything, but I think that his voice probably has a lot of sway in the boardroom given the last name and the fact that he wants to be that kind of a. You know that he's involved in the operation. That he wants to be that kind of owner. I think that where it's you know where it's still a little bit of like a rich guy's toy, and you know it doesn't want to doesn't want to raise the banner for you know the most uh, uh, the most wins per dollar. Like he wants to actually win a little bit. I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and I I, you know I think it's just they they seem like they're in real good shape and in really good hands at the moment. Uh, and that all could change very, very quickly, I'm sure. <laughs> but but how happen in this time. time. Yeah. yeah.
1: Sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just asking, how, how, do you think, like, you know, Ed Rogers, you talking about his influence, obviously holding a lot in the boardroom maybe. How much of MLSE's success do you think may have played a part? Or did it?
2: I think that I think that they definitely I think they definitely saw the real estate that Maple Leaf Square is and uh, have realized that's the way that modern sports teams need to go and that's why they're trying to build a new ballpark and build in a bunch of real estate around there so that they can hmm. you know make revenue off office tower maybe there's not ever going to be office towers anymore because we're all going to work from home from now on but condos and retail and whatever and turn that into what the Braves have and turn that into what the the Rays are trying to build and 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 what Maple Leaf Square already is I think that I think that they've definitely seen that there's a path to success with what MLSC is doing for sure and are probably trying to implement it there and I think you're right that that's probably uh, it's it's probably that more than Ed Rogers benevolence that is uh, that is driving where they're going
3: well they own a piece of they own a piece of that team too and who would have thought 10 years ago, yeah, LSD <laughs> is the way to run it or it's so
2: weird. It's so weird. Yeah. Everything
3: they have except for the Leafs have won a championship since they've since the acquisition. It's crazy. Yeah, and I think Ed Rogers needs to get so I'm at I'm at Raptors opening night, the night they raise the banner and hand out the championship rings, and ownership is there. I kid you not when they're na- introducing the names, Larry Tannenbaum gets cheered, George Cope gets cheered, Edward oh, no. Rogers gets booed. Out. <laughs> <laughs> like, this guy has a PR problem. <laughs> like Even well, the Bell guy got cheered.
2: This <laughs> got booed
3: well, it's not,
2: I mean, it's not George Bell. I mean, they, well, <laughs> yeah.
1: the, the other George <laughs> Bell, they
2: probably would cheer, but I mean, it, the, the statue, come on. <laughs> Like
1: you know, you're well, asking he's made for some in the past as well, right?
3: I think it's just cool. I mean, people dislike Bell, but I think it's cooler to dislike Rogers. I guess. Who knows?
0: I
2: well, also, I, I just, I how many people know who George Cope is? He's no, got the sorry. last name. It, yeah. It's just yeah. having the yeah. Rogers
0: last name automatically makes you a right. villain. Yeah,
2: but and well, we'll see. So that's why he's got he's got to fix that PR problem by raising a championship trophy with the Blue Jays. Let's do it. Come on. Come on, Eddie. <laughs> yeah, we'll raise a banner in Dunedin, Florida. <laughs> has, has that, that hasn't been
0: decided yet, right? They, they haven't decided where they're playing yet?
2: No, they. but they they don't really seem optimistic, at least, about starting the season in Toronto. I mean, no. Shapiro was basically it, like like the Raptors. Nothing's changed since the Raptors were told no, so we're not even asking is basically where they're at. So.
3: Yeah, so it looks like, I mean, nothing official, but with Dunedin – with the Dunedin team going to a half-season league, they can use that. It may, I think the team would prefer to be in Dunedin. You have your brand new state-of-the-art facilities. Yeah, the Dunedin Stadium is all it has like uh, major league standard lighting. It's, I'm sure, like they spent a lot of money on that training facility down the like eight miles away. I'm sure the, <laughs> they their players using yeah. that in like mornings of games and on off days. So. It makes a lot of sense, I think, and on it, a lot of those.
2: It's yeah.
0: a very COVID-free area too, so that works <laughs>
2: out, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, it turns out there's not a lot of COVID-free areas, but <laughs>
0: yeah, seriously, but yeah.
2: It's and also, by bit. they by they spent that, you mean the taxpayers of Florida, I believe. But. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but the vaccine—they're getting the vaccine though. So they, yeah, yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah, so I mean, I I think that by, I don't, I mean, I don't want to, I suspect the plan is let's get close, get to the all-star break, see what the situation is, like case-wise, at least maybe come back to Toronto. I mean, you're in an open air, open roof, players could have vaccines by then, even if there are no fans or a very limited number of fans in the summer, could be better, but yeah, I don't, I don't see any way they start the season here at all. No.
2: Yeah, no. No. Uh, but, yeah, like you say, the, the new facility in Dunedin is, is is huge for them. They seem to be very much in love with it. And, and who cares where the visiting teams are going to have to work out? I mean, it seems like it will be a good advantage for the Jays, even though, like you say, it's like eight miles away or eight kilometers or whatever the hell it is.
3: Yeah, I don't think it is. not that. <laughs> it's not that big. A, also, we made the trip. It's not that long a drive. And if the facility's so that bad, good, nobody's going to care. That yeah. we seen the. I'm sure you've seen the video.
1: It looks amazing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And no,
2: I've done the drive too, and it's not. It's not. Yeah, it's not that bad.
1: Okay. All right, I think this is a good note to end our conversation. Uh, Andrew, thank you so much. Um, any last words uh, for our fans out there?
2: <laughs> last, well, I hope I have more words after the podcast ends, but. Uh, <laughs> 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 I feel like you are walking me off the plank. Uh, no, no. I uh, just thanks so much, and uh, anytime, guys. Happy to chat Blue Jays with you guys. Yeah, thanks a lot. For your no, awesome. Really Thank you so much. Well, and, you want to plug
1: in your um, uh, your blog? Oh yeah,
2: yeah. I guess yeah, it is a blog. I mean, it's it, it's uh, it's called the Bat Flip is Stoughton, my last name at dot uh, Substack dot com. Uh, sign up and you can get into your email. New news box here email box every day or whatever i write things uh it's really a blog disguised as a newsletter so i like to think about it but uh uh yeah just gonna be there all year and hopefully for many more years uh writing about all things blue jays with, with this 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 tiny little nightmare that we're all a part of
1: <laughs> <laughs> no and uh and I can attest. I mean, uh, I've been reading your stuff for a number of years, and uh, I've always found it very, very helpful and insightful. So, uh, hope to see you uh, continue writing in the future as well, and we hope you back sometime in the future as well. So, we'd love to chat again with you. This is the yeah, second any- time you and I chat it for my other that's podcast. True,
2: well. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, anytime, guys. I really appreciate it. It was fun.
1: Cool. So that's it for us from us uh, this week, guys. Um, Next week, once again, we're going to do a uh, baseball theme. So please look out for our episode next week as well. Um, In the intro, you know, uh, we're talking about uh, the Negro Leagues baseball this week. Uh, So we're going to have someone from the uh, Negro Leagues Museum uh, next week. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the history of uh, African Americans in baseball and the Negro Leagues as well. So please stay tuned and uh, be safe, have fun, and uh, hope to see you soon.
0: Yeah, thanks everyone. Thanks for listening or watching. Thank you.